Honor, I'm Jessie Chang, and today on The Detail... I don't think Karma Wildlife Sanctuary could ever step away from all of the things that have happened in the past. The big cat park in Whangarei that burst onto the scene in the early 2000s as the Zion Wildlife Gardens has seen it all. Legal battles, criminal convictions, employment investigations, a seven-year closure, changes in ownership, and tragically, the death of a zookeeper. The renamed Kamor Wildlife Sanctuary is currently in liquidation, but this Saturday, it's having a public open day. There were about 50 people who instantly said, hooray, you're open again, I can come and see the big cat. Is this the start of a new lease of life for the park? And should large wild cats be used for such tourist attractions in the first place? You come down to what is the role of zoos, and this has been something that's been changing over the years. For over a hundred years, people have been complaining about holding wild animals in captivity. I've definitely never done a story that has had so many twists and turns as this one. It's just been so long. I can only imagine what the big cats have seen. All these people coming and going and all these different owners and things like that. I'd love to know what they think of it. That's Denise Piper, a senior journalist for Stuff in Whangarei. I've been to the park a couple of times. So the first time was when it was owned by Craig Bush and Karen Graybox. Together with Karen, his girlfriend and assistant, Craig owns and operates the Zion Wildlife Gardens, a private zoo in Whangarei. It was just for a sort of quite a straightforward story about um, some new tiger cubs. We got to handle the cubs and take lovely photos of them and things like that. And what were your thoughts? I thought it was really cool. And I think that's kind of the general consensus from a lot of people in the area. It's so amazing to have these exotic big cats nearby. Now when I look back, I think, oh, actually probably handling these lion cubs wasn't the best thing to do. And it's probably not best for their welfare. But that's looking back in hindsight. Yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty. hey. Um, so, I mean, yeah. at that point, you know, this is brand new big cat park and you, you can get to know these exotic animals, like see them in person. Did you ever suspect... I guess, the turmoil that was to happen over the next, you know, decades, really? Oh, I don't think anyone could have suspected such a you know, long and winding tale that this has turned out to be. I think the thing was, like, the Lion Man TV series was such a huge thing at the time. Bongaray was a much smaller town than it is now, and to have this national and international attention was something really big for the town. I think people were kind of really proud of having this internationally known park in their backyard. spoke about Craig Bush and, you know, he is the lion man and he is the founder of this park. What was it like 
meeting him? Uh, my first impression was this is a guy who gets on with animals and, you know, maybe doesn't have the best people skills. <laughs> he was a little bit standoffish or something like that. Really? Okay. Um, <laughs> Yeah. He seems so charismatic on TV. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he's really passionate about the animal. The park started in the early 2000s, but soon Craig Bush ran into financial troubles and had to bring his mother Patricia Bush on board. He brought her in to help with the finances of the company. She provided a cash injection, but she ended up taking over the park Essentially, he said that he was sacked by his mother. And then there were sort of years of legal fights between mother and son. Craig Bush was always trying to get back into the park and get back into ownership of the animals. And Patricia Bush was always resistant. While all of this was going on, things really started to fall apart. There were safety issues. A volunteer was bitten by a lion club and the Labor Department investigated. And it placed most of the blame on the volunteer, but also reprimanded Craig Bush. There were employment issues. The Employment Relations Authority got involved after a former park manager was unjustifiably dismissed. Patricia Bush was in the firing line for that. There were other court issues involving Craig Bush. He ended up um, admitting that he assaulted his partner and he was ordered to pay her $8,000. And the big cats themselves? Well, many of them were declawed. So it was found that he had declawed 29 of the 37 big cats. But it was under the supervision of Matt Betts. So uh, a mass investigator kind of eventually came out and deplored the action because it leads to the cats having kind of long-standing issues. They get arthritis in their legs. They have trouble walking. They also they can't display normal cat behaviour like scratching posts and things like that. Craig Bush was kind of um, reprimanded for it. But it was all done with the knowledge and authority of math at the time. Did they ever say why they did that? So I understand that it was so that they were safer to interact with. The Lion Man TV series involved Craig Bush going in and getting up close with the big cat. And it was partly to make that safer. He also said that it was to make it safer for the cats interacting with each other so that they weren't hurting each other. There are some, still some cats in there who have been declawed who are still sort of suffering the effects of it. And, and I guess the most tragic and controversial part of the story is when a zookeeper was mauled to death back mm. in 2009. A zookeeper is dead after being attacked by a white tiger in Whangarei. The attack happened late this morning at the Zion Wildlife Gardens and was witnessed by a group of eight tourists understood to be English and French. I had actually been to the park about a month earlier and interviewed Dalu. He showed me around the park. I got, you know, some insights into his life. So he was from Africa. He was found by Craig Bush and brought to New Zealand to the park. He had 
a couple of kids, one in Whangarei and one back in Africa. Denise was working for the Whangarei leader when she went to interview Dalu Mkube. The Whangarei leader did like a interact with the animals type thing. So we got to like pet one of the tigers and one of the lions while he was there. And I noticed that he was very cautious. He was particularly concerned about making sure everyone was safe and making sure it was put away safely and things like that. Um, So when I met him, I thought he was quite cautious and very aware of what these animals could do. But tragedy happened soon after. And just a warning, this next clip contains graphic details of the attack. It dragged Mr Intubi towards its den. It got him half in there and he was clinging to the railing and he was saying, help me, mate, I'm in trouble here, you have to help me. Um, He said he remained calm, but he was clearly very, very frightened. Um, Mr Ferreira called for a fire extinguisher and he got someone to squirt the tiger through the back of the den. So it came out again. All this time he's trying to keep hitting it. Um, and it was dragging, this time it was dragging Mr Nkubi by the shoulder, by, by the back of his shoulder. It, it dragged him along the fence line of the enclosure and mauled him. All the time Mr Ferreira was hitting it with a stick. Someone handled, handed him a cattle prodder. Um, they had asked for tasers, but Mrs Bush, Craig Bush's mother, had told them there was no money for that. They hit it with a cattle prodder. It didn't have any effect it eventually took um, Mr Nkubi's head in its mouth and um, his skull was, was crushed and uh, basically it didn't, didn't let go of him until it was shot. I went along to his funeral and all the liars kind of roared as he left as, a, as his casket was taken away. Right, so the funeral was actually at the Big Cat Park. Yeah, that's right, yeah, in a big kind of marquee at the park. Yeah, so there was a a mass investigation into the park. There was a coroner's investigation into Dalu's death. Both of them, I guess, kind of found that zookeepers should not be in with these big cats in the same enclosure while they're trying to clean their enclosures. So in July 2014, the Ministry of Primary Industries um, ordered the park to close and for the animal enclosures to be brought up to standards. And so that effectively involves having a den where the big cats are put away so that the keepers can clear out their enclosures in safety mm-hmm. and then and then the big cats can be let back out into their enclosure. Quite soon after the, the Ministry of Primary Industry closed the park, Bolton Equities ended up buying it and renaming it to Carmo Wildlife Sanctuary. Bolton Equities is backed by Murray Bolton, who's an Auckland rich And so they end up taking it over, um, trying to bring it up to standards. And their intention is to, at that point, you know, to bring it back up to standards so that they can reopen the park. Yeah, so I understand that that was the aim of Bolton Equities was to give the park a revamp, and then open it up again to the public. But that would take another seven years. And in the meantime, Jeanette Valance and Dale Valance entered the story. 
they're Australian, they were brought over around 2015. And their previous experience was working with rescued circus animals in Australia. So they had some big cat experience. And they're brought over to Carmo um, along with their son to manage the park, use their experience to make sure that it's all running smoothly. And how does it go? I mean, the first thing was it's still taking a long time to get the park open. So it was closed in August 2014 and it didn't reopen until the end of 2021. So for most of the time that Jeanette and Dale are there, the park is closed to the public and they're trying to uh, get it up to scratch, but also kind of trying to rally support from the public, I guess, to kind of encourage MPI to sign it off as quick as possible. And then at the same time in August 2021, Dale Balance is arrested for sexual assault. He was found guilty of indecently assaulting four different women. This took place over a couple of years, 2019 to 2021. And and was he sentenced? Yeah, so he was sent to jail. So he was sentenced to 35 months in prison for the offences. And and what was Jeanette's response to all of this? So after the trial, she came out and said, look, the fact that he's been imprisoned does not impact the park because he hasn't been here and hasn't been involved for a number of years. I understand that they splash up as well, so they weren't together. And so she's trying to distance the park from him. And, I mean, at this point, how can they afford to keep the park open? I guess it, it's still being backed by Murray Bolton. Yeah, that's a really good question, though. How can they afford to keep it open? Because essentially they've got no money coming in. Northland's Big Cats Limited has been placed in involuntary liquidation. They went into liquidation in March and it was revealed that they owed IRD something like $260,000 plus tens of thousands of dollars owed to former employees. And the liquidators shut the park, which meant they had no income coming in because their only way to make income is essentially from members of the public coming in and paying to see the animals. And was was that a surprise? I mean, because before they went into liquidation in March earlier this year, I mean, in 2021, MPI finally signed off on the park. So was it a surprise to suddenly then fast forward March this year yeah, I think it was a bit of a surprise given at the time they were open and trying to make money and that was what um, the aim was meant to be all about. So they had they had achieved what they wanted from MPI. MPI had allowed them to open and then, unfortunately, they still weren't making enough money. So ended up closing again. Fast forward to now where this Saturday, Carmore Wildlife Sanctuary is having an open day for the public at the park. Denise says under MPI regulations, the park's licence to open isn't affected by the liquidation. Certainly from MPI's point of view, there's nothing to stop them opening. They're still meeting all the requirements of safety and containment to be open again. 
Do you think that they're trying to get public support for the park and trying to revive it? I think there already is a lot of public support for the park. And it was really interesting to see the social media comments when they announced that there will be open day because there were about 50 people who instantly said, hooray, you're open again, I can come and see the big cats. So there is a lot of public support there already. People who were just focused on the cats and saying, I want to come and see them. Um, And I suspect that there are people out there who don't want to see it fail. There's a concern that if it fails, the animals might need to be euthanized. So I think that's kind of in the back of people's minds, just that worry of what would happen to the cats if if it fails completely, if if they can't get enough money to run. Captive animals of any kind are not necessarily and generally not good candidates for release back into the wild. And if you've got a big cat that's completely used to a captive environment, has has known it all its life, uh, that animal wouldn't last very long, wouldn't have a very happy time if there was even a possibility of putting it out into some a more natural area, let it fend for itself. Phil Seddon is a professor of zoology at the University of Otago. When you, you take on any, any wildlife in any captive situation, you really have a long-term duty of care for them to make sure that they're you know, looked after for the course of their life. Big cats in captivity live a lot longer than they do in the wild, so some of these um, lions might, you know, they might live as many as 20, 25 years. I understand a number of the animals are reasonably old within the reserve, but some have been uh, actually born there. So it does open up all sorts of questions. You know, what do you do if you can't keep them on site? Um, Are there other ways or other places for them? And and people start to think about, well, you know, gosh, could you could you put them back into the wild? You you know, do the whole born free scenario? But um, I'm not sure anyone's seriously talking about that. So transporting it to a national park back in South Africa is, you know, basically a no-go. I think that would be a no-go. I think that would be uh, incredibly stressful for the animal. You could take it to another captive facility in South Africa. Um, Some of them did come from there. Others didn't. I don't see that as being an option, and we we certainly don't want them in our national parks. So I think ultimately uh, you're down to two possibilities. Um, Sustain them for the term of their natural life, or humanely euthanise them. So they, you wouldn't fit into existing zoos across New Zealand? Possibly. Um, we, you know, we have, have the big zoos, Auckland, Wellington, Hamilton, and they do have big cats, uh, things like cheetah, tiger, lion, in, in various configurations. But those big zoos are, are part of something called the um, International Zoo Breeding and Advocacy Programme for Lions, and they're really concerned with um, the genetics, uh, the welfare, uh, the captive breeding and management of those. And that's coordinated internationally uh, to, to just take a sort of a, an extra or a stray line from another kind of pri- more private collection, I think would be a stretch too much. Um, they have capacity issues. Um, I'm not sure that... I haven't spoken to them, obviously, so I, I don't know what their position is, but... Uh, I don't think that would be an easy one to think about. There are other other 
big cats held in places like Orana, Christchurch, Paradise Valley in Rotorua, mm. a site in Taranaki. Uh, they have lion or lions and uh, tigers and cheetahs and things like that. Potentially they may um, be interested or have the space and capacity and the, the ability to take on more animals. Um, that could be a good option, I suppose. It would be a discussion with them. Would you say the best option is to euthanise them? Uh, the best option would be to have some amazing benefactor come out of the woodwork and sustain the operation in situ so these animals don't have to be moved. And then would the second option, if that doesn't happen, is to euthanise them? It is, yeah. If you can't, can't put them anywhere else and you can't care for them appropriately in sight, then there is no other option. And often the end of their natural life involves euthanasia as well, where animals get very sick or ill, uh, and it is the humane option to not sustain or prolong that suffering. Do you think people are quite... It's quite a controversial kind of option. No one likes the idea of having to kill an animal, whether humanely or otherwise. And I, and I think you get an interesting discussion around two sometimes conflicting perspectives... So one is a conservation perspective where we think about the viability of populations and we know that you know things like tigers and lions aren't necessarily doing terribly well internationally. So people feel that any living lion is a, probably a, a bonus for conservation. But in fact, these captive lions are not contributing to international conservation of lions or, or tigers. The other perspective is one of kind of individual animal welfare and you, you see this a lot within wildlife rehabilitation programs where the focus is on improving the welfare outcomes for a given individual. And that's very much the focus in these kind of captive collections. Doing that makes life better for that individual, but regardless of whether that's a, an endangered species, it's not necessarily a, a conservation measure. You can have other conservation outcomes around you know, raising awareness and education for the plight of wild big cats. But for a given animal within a given collection, its contribution to international lion populations in Africa is, is zero. That's it for today. I'm Jessie Chang. The detail is supported by the Public Interest Journalism Fund. Today's episode was engineered by Jeremy Ansell and produced by Alexia Russell and Bonnie Harrison. Thanks to Denise Piper and Professor Phil Seddon. Matewa. Wa.